Uh, we're going to be in the book of Proverbs this morning, chapter 4, if you want to go ahead and head that direction. This morning, we, uh, I bring to a conclusion a four-part uh, sermon series on marriage. And if you're here for the first time, I, I feel like I need to give a disclaimer. Uh, this this a four part series, I kind of treated it almost like a like it was like a little like conference or something. So you get to the end of it and you kind of have uh, you put all the building blocks in place in the last session. And it tends to be really practical, right? And so this would be very practical. And um, my preferred way to teach and preach is to just take a passage of scripture and let's just tear it apart and see what God has. Uh, this will be a lot more on the practical side than it is the like biblical, uh, let's like, uh, let's just expose everything that's in a particular text kind of sermon. And so, uh, if you come back almost any other Sunday, then that's the way that it's going to be. But today it's going to be a a little bit different uh, approach than I would normally take. Um, but I believe that, that you got to have some takeaways. You got to have some, uh, some next steps, uh, to put some of these things into place. And so uh, hopefully, if you've been here um, for the last three weeks, hopefully you, you've kind of been able to grab onto the main ideas that have been presented each time, which really center around uh, this one concept that uh, the, if you really want to understand what marriage is and you want to know what the deepest meaning of marriage is uh, from the creator of marriage, then uh, you can look no further than uh, what is revealed in Ephesians 5, verse 32. Uh, in talking about this profound mystery of marriage, Paul, reve- like he solves the mystery. He says, this mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. That is, the, that is what marriage is. Marriage is a, is a picture of this bigger reality. Husband and wife... Are a, are a shadow of a, this heavenly reality of Jesus and his church. Uh, you are a, if you are a married couple, you are a copy, and Jesus and the church are the original. That everything is going to go back to his love and commitment and everything towards us. You guys, as married couples, are trying to imitate that back and forth. To love each other as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. And so that's what marriage is, is you enter into this covenant relationship where in the most deep way you are saying, I am committing to reenact Jesus' love for, the, for, the, for us with you uh, till death do us part. That is the commitment. That is the, that is the picture. That is what it all really comes down to is what Paul says in Ephesians 5, verse 32. And since marriage has this really deep, and profound meaning, uh, since a marriage is representing uh, like the the most crucial narrative for any human to ever understand, which is God's love for them. That means that as you are trying to reenact this together as husband and wife over the course of your marriage, it means that anything that is against the kingdom of God is going to come at you. It means that your flesh is going to push away from that. It means that we have this enemy called the devil who is going to attack you because of what you're trying to represent. It means that the world that we live in that is full of pride and materialism and everything being self-centered is going to whisper to you constantly contrary narratives to what you are trying to do. 
So every married couple in this room, you guys stepped into the bullseye in a really unique way the day that you said, I do. So congratulations, right? Hopefully you were told that in your premarital counseling. Hopefully we, like you knew what you were getting into, but even if you didn't, that's your reality. And you can catch up at any point with that reality. So because you are in such a situation uh, to be attacked, you have to work toward this relational strength together. Like you, you have to be able to endure what your flesh and what the world and what your enemy is, is trying to come at you with all the time. You have to be strong through that. And a couple of years ago, uh, I led one of our like Saturday morning, like marriage times. And the Lord just kind of brought me, he brought me to this analogy of thinking of, of a marriage as a fortified city. We read about this in the old Testament. It's been through, all throughout history. You would, you would have this city with a wall around it. Okay. And I'm going to talk about a wall a lot today and just know it's not an endorsement of any sort of political anything right now. When I talk about building the walls and strengthening the walls and all that kind of stuff, just it ain't that. Okay. Um, you'd have this, you'd have a city and they would, would build a wall around the city for really two reasons. One was so that the people, uh, who were trying to, would, anyone that would try to invade the city or attack the city would have to go through the wall in order to get to the people. So it kept the enemy at bay and it helped the people inside the city, like just settle down and live like with peace and with security. And it just let them go about their lives in a way that was not threatened because they knew there was a security against like outside forces and other nations, anyone that would come against them. That's why they would build something like the city of Jericho, where you'd have this giant wall around the outside. That's a fortified city. If you're going to attack a fortified city, apparently there are two, like two strategic points or two things that you would look for if you're going to try and take a city. You would look for the gates and you would look for weak points in the wall. So the gates are where, you know, they're, 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 they're guarded. You're controlling who's coming and going all the time. And so you could attack there because that was an entrance way. You just had to force your way in. We've all seen plenty of movies where that, you know, we've seen that happen. And, um, or they would survey around the outside of the wall and they would look for places where it was starting to crack and starting to weaken places that they could like, like pummel and, and perhaps punch a hole in the wall that they could invade and so those were, the, those were the two most vulnerable like, things about a fortified city, the gates and any spots in the wall that would be weak. In Nehemiah chapter 1, this is like Nehemiah, he kind of starts to freak out about, uh, about like this, the state of the city. And there's a number of reasons why he's freaking out. But this is one of them. This is what he says in verse 3 of chapter 1. And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who had served, uh, survived the exiles in great trouble and shame, the wall of Jerusalem was broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. The walls are broken down and the gates are destroyed by fire, leaving them completely vulnerable to attack. This was a dangerous way to live in that time of, uh, of history. So if, if I was to run with that imagery... To think of your marriage as a fortified city, then I believe there are some practical things that we can learn that we find unpacked partially in the book of Proverbs 
Now, if you are not married, uh, this same stuff applies to us as individuals as well. Okay, so even though all of my like points are going to be toward married couples, this also applies to any of us as individuals. Uh, the same principles apply. So uh, just kind of maybe think of it through that lens as well. So two two things: the gates and the walls. Let's talk about the gates first. The gates of a city, that's, that is who was coming and going and who was allowed to come in and, and who was allowed to go out. There, there's a, a control factor there uh, with all of the gates, but that was the main entrance in and out of the city. So look at Proverbs chapter 4, starting in verse 20. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Okay, that's that's basically here's Solomon and he's sitting down with his son. And this is like when a dad or a mom will take their hands and put them on each side of the kid's face. And be like, you look, you look me in the eye. You listen to everything I'm about to tell you. Like this, this is really serious. Like Solomon's not joking about this. And so that's, that's the tone there. He's like, you listen to my words. You don't stray from this. Like this, this is life and death type stuff. You listen to me. So that's, he set the tone. And then verse 23, keep your heart with all vigilance for from it flow the springs of of life. Okay. Keep your heart with all vigilance. Now, when I hear the word vigilance, he's not being like, you should probably keep an eye on your heart. He's like, no, no, no. This is like, you, you fight for this. You get scrappy over this. You don't, you don't take your foot off the gas with this. Keep your heart. Some translations say, guard your heart. Some translations say, guard your mind. It's all really talking about the same idea that in the, in the core of who we are, um, there, there is this, this part of, of you, this immaterial part of who you are, that God is uh, constantly guarding and that you and I are joining him in constantly guarding. He says, this is where, this is where life springs from. This is where our this is where our logic springs from. This is where our emotions spring from. This is where, where if you were to, to try to figure out, why did I do that, that weird thing that I didn't really like, think I would ever do, and you trace it all back down, it comes back to this core of who you are. So there's this, this part of you that, that has to be guarded, and you don't guard something that, is, uh, that isn't going to be attacked somehow. Right? You guard the things that are valuable. You guard the things that uh, you don't want to risk. So he's like, hey, you're, like you're the inner life of who you are. Be vigilant. Because everything about you springs from there. And, and then he goes on to, to offer some wisdom, probably from his own experience, about ways, ways to do that. He's basically saying, guard the gates. Guard what's coming and going out of your life. Look at what he says. 
verse 24. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. He kind of offers some some like practical oversight on on how you vigilantly vigilantly guard uh, the most important thing about you. And for married couples, you know the two have become one, and and yet the one are two, and so you're both guarding your own heart and you're helping to guard your spouse's heart, and the two are connected in such a way that one affects the other. And Paul tells us in Philippians four that 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 we are to bring all of our needs to the Lord and the God of peace is the one who guards our heart. And so he's guarding our heart and we're joining him in guarding our heart. And Solomon says, verse 24, put away from you crooked speech and devious talk, uh, put devious talk far from you. Now, it's unclear if he's talking about your own speech or someone else's speech. Your own devious talk or someone else's devious talk. Probably room, room for both. So, in that one verse, you're, we're involving our speech and we're also involving our hearing. And then he says in 25, let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. So now he's talking about the eyes. And so... If I, were, if I could have some liberty here to kind of apply this, I think a part of what Solomon is saying is if you want to guard the gates of who you are, you guard your speech and you guard what you're listening to and you guard what you're looking at. Like those are the gateways in our lives. All of those have like a, a direct connection into our hearts. It's like a pipeline. So, we have to guard them. So let's break those down just for a second. Let's talk about the eyes first. You probably assume exactly where I'm going to go with this one. The things that we are looking at, they, like, you are waving in through the gates of your city certain things. Now, certainly we can go to, um, you know, in trying to like be mindful of who's in the room, um, we can go to inappropriate websites, like that, that whole category, explicit materials, those kinds of things. And rightfully so, like that's a, like in our culture, we would be foolish for that to not jump to the top of the list of guarding our eyes. I mean, it is destroying us. And the science is proving it. It is eating us alive because we just look and look and look and look and look. And images disgracing this beautiful thing that God has given to married couples. It says in Proverbs, in twenty five twenty eight, it says, A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. Solomon was ahead of his day in this. And it's not just a, 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 a man 
male dude struggle anymore. This is across the board. Addiction is as high as it's ever been, both genders. And so we must be vigilant. Like you, you can't just shrug that off anymore. We never should have in the first place, but it seems like, oh, well, it's a, such a common thing and everybody battles it. No, 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 no. We make all these weak excuses. But think about what you are doing. You're standing at the gates of your marriage, waving in something that's only going to, dis- that's just going to destroy you. You're inviting the enemy in to eat you alive from the inside out. It's not only, not only sexual content, but violence, same way. Violence is, is, is uh, destructive in a different way than that st- strong sexual content. But we're waving it in. It could be other things, too. It could be materialism. It could be comparison. It could be fantasizing about the life you've always wanted. There's just all these things where we ha- are, we're looking all the time. And yes, there's, there's TV and there's movies, which tend to get the blame, but you can also put books in there. All kinds of things on the Internet. Instagram. Be like, oh, it's just Instagram. Like, no, Instagram is a trap. It is a trap. I know that there are some people who are, their goal is to redeem social media, and I, I champion that. Like, that's great. But I'm here to warn you that it, it could eat you alive. Like, I'm, I'm the voice of warning. I'm not, the, like, I'm not, like, uh, that's not my, like, hill to die on necessarily. I'm just telling you what I've seen over and over and over again. And what people in my field of, of like, work, what we deal with all the time is the eye gate not being guarded, letting, letting in all kinds of garbage that is planting all kind of dissent and chaos inside of husbands, inside of wives, inside the gates of the city. Video games also, by the way, forgot to see that one there. And then there's like, and that's all like, that's all just fantasy stuff. You know, we're, we're, those things aren't real. Then there's real life guarding the gate. Like, um, how careful are you with who you're looking at and what you're looking at? Like in real life, that's a whole other different category, but equally as destructive. And so we have to, we have to be honest with each other about the situation. We can't laugh it off. We can't be like, well, it'll get better. Oh, we just, we just need to do this and this and this and this. Like, no, we need to be vigilant. And we need to help each other be vigilant. Like, we, we, we can't just uh, look the other way in our own marriages or in each other's marriages or in each other's lives. Like, this is, this is too important. Christ and the church being lived out in real life is at, is at risk. And so it is worth awkward conversations is worth that. And I'll say this as a side note. I'm about to move on. So uh, the older I get, the more I appreciate uh, modesty. Like the more I like I appreciate it. Um, like it, it feels like solidarity to me, the older I get. And 
I, I had a, heard someone one time, a young lady, express it this way. So I'll say it from her perspective, but I, think it's, I don't think it's just a female thing. I think it's, it's all of us. She said, you know, if, uh, if me choosing modesty can help my brother like, be like, just guarded, then why wouldn't I stand in solidarity with him in that? And so when I say I appreciate it, that's what, that's what I'm saying. I feel like that is like siblings being like, hey, we all got these battles going on. Let's not make it worse for each other. Let's make it better. And so guarding the, the, the eye gate is not just something for one spouse or you to do together. It's also a community effort that we must be hanging in there together with. Because uh, we're, we're up against it. Now, we're not going to lose the battle. The victory's already been won. But it is a real threat to us right now in this day and age. So there's the eyes. Then there's the, there, there's the ears and there's like our speech. There's the mouth. Similar with, with ears, we have to be careful what we're listening to. We have to be careful the music we listen to. We have, gosh, we have to be careful the podcasts that we listen to. The advice that people give us. You know, we have to, we have to be very careful the things that we're letting in. And I'm not saying that we... I'm not saying uh, all of it is bad. I'm saying that Jesus has to filter it. Same thing with the eyes. Jesus has to filter it. And so as we're listening to things, um, even secondhand listening to gossip or negativity or whatever, or whatever it may be, we have to let Jesus filter that because that stuff is it's, it's an access point, is a gate getting into our lives. regarding the, the ears especially, you need to let, be sure to let Jesus filter when others speak positively of you. Married couples, be sure to let Jesus filter it when other people speak positively of you. Okay? That is supposed to land in a place where you are encouraged and you are built up. We need to be able to do that as siblings in the body of Christ. But we have this enemy and the Bible tells us not to give him a foothold. And I always like to remind him that he has very tiny, dainty, cutesy little bird feet. What that means, though, is that he can find the smallest little place to get in there and start to mess with you. And if within your marriage, if you are not hearing words of life from your spouse, then the words of life that come from someone else can become a foothold for you if you are not letting Jesus filter it. If a wife is never encouraged and built up or a husband is never encouraged and built up, if there is not like that, that kind of uh, truth and life being spoken from one spouse to another, it doesn't take much from someone outside the marriage to make things weird. And I don't say that out of fear. I don't say that out of anything other than there are these patterns that we have seen with marriages getting into trouble. And it begins with a coworker, a neighbor, a friend of the family, something like that, just saying the right things. And it lands in a weird place. And the enemy gets inside the walls and begins to just do his thing. So, 
Do not hear me saying, don't affirm each other, don't encourage each other, don't use your gifts. Please do that. But if you are married, you've got to be sure that Jesus is helping you filter those things so that you receive them in the right ways and not so, so that you don't give the enemy something to fool with. In our speech, our words should be used, as James says, to bless God and to bless each other. So as, as a like spouse, you need to never assume that your, your wife or husband knows certain things about how you feel. You've got to say it. You've got to use your words. You have to say it. Jesus will help them to hear it. You should never tear your spouse down with your words, ever. With your spoken words, with your typed out words, with your texts, with social media. With, there should never be a point where you tear your spouse down. You paint them in anything other than a wonderful, beautiful light. Never do that. I love you. I'm just telling you, do not do that. Jesus would never do that to his bride. And there may come a point where we begin to call each other on it. And say, oh, Jesus would say that? Jesus would throw us under the bus like that? Okay. Hey, that's vigilance. And if we believe in marriage, then we may have to get to that point. Or you can just make your mind up and say, you know what? My speech will only be used to build up my spouse. Things like communication and confession. There's all these things that are talked about all the time. These things are crucial. All of this guarding the eyes, guarding the ears, guarding the mouth. Those gateways of marriage with all vigilance. I know that the room feels very still right now. I hope that's like the good kind, not the awkward kind. But I, I love you married people. I love you future married people. I love all you people. I, w- I want to see marriage be everything, everything that God dreamed up. And I don't want to see the gates run over anymore. And I want to help you guard them. And if I can help you, or any of our pastors, our ministers, our, anyone else in this church, if we can help each other do that, then we got to do it. It's too important. So those are gates. Let's talk about walls as I close. Weak spots in a wall in a fortified city. Um, I did a little research a few years ago on this, and they talk about weak, weak spots usually were areas that were neglected. And they would develop slowly and usually underestimated. Areas that were neglected slowly developed and we're like, oh, it's just, it's just a crack in the wall. You know, there's probably, probably not a big deal. There's no way an army could get through that. It'll be fine. We'll deal with it later. We'll see if it keeps getting worse and that kind of stuff. Weak spots in the wall in a, in a marriage are the same way. They uh, are usually things about, the, about your marriage that you're neglecting. And they start off as very small problems and they become really, really big problems. So here, let me, I'm going to cruise through this. Possible weak spots in the wall. Here's a bunch of different areas of marriage where that could, that could be the case. You could have, spiritually, you could have weak points in, in your marriage. I mean, the strongest bond between you is Christ and you, the hope of glory. And 
your like walk with the Lord and your walk together with the Lord um, is the most important thing about your marriage. And so, of course, it is like it is the, the place the enemy wants to attack you the most. And so all the things I talked about a few weeks ago in regard to the pursuit of holiness and being helpmates in holiness with each other, all that stuff is not a joke. You know, like that's, that's how you firm up weak points in the wall. And so if you, uh, if you do not like talk about the Lord, if you do not pray together, if, if there is no, like we walk with the Lord, you know, there's no we to that. It's just you know, him and her kind of thing. If there's no togetherness in that, then it is incredibly possible that there is a weakness that's developing there. And I, I put that on husbands to lead. Um, and, you know, I've, I've asked over the years, I ask husbands like, you know, well, tell me, do y'all pray together? And like, oh, no, we don't really. I'm like, why not? And I've never really heard an excuse that, that made sense. Like not one time I've been like, oh, that's a really good point. Every time it's just a lame excuse. So uh, husbands, you just need to cowboy up and lead your family. Weak point. Uh, there could be emotional weak points. Yeah. You have to be honest about your feelings, about what's going on. You have, you have to get into those, like, it, the, like the, the things about how you are doing in that regard. Uh, you, you can't just, just, it can't just be about the to-do list and just getting through the week and making sure the kids are managed and all that kind of stuff. There has to be an emotional connection between the two of you. There has to be, like, physically you have to pay attention to your lives. The things that you are eating, your sleep patterns, uh, do we, are we active? Do we play together? Do we have fun together? Um, is, there, is there physical intimacy? Is, like, is that a part of your marriage? All these things physically God has given to you on purpose. And when, the, when those things are being neglected, it is a possible area of attack. Uh, it could be mental. Like in terms of like, it, do you have stimulating conversation? Do you know? Seems important. Um, here's here's one here's uh, like how you relate to each other in regard to like the roles that you play. I know I've talked for the last couple. I keep pushing submission back a little bit, um, but it's become this bad word because we've we've seen men overdo it over the years. And uh, Moses told us this was what happened in Genesis three. After they sinned, God was like, hey, uh, this is what's going to happen. He says, this is Genesis 3.16. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Then he says, your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. From the beginning, he says, there's going to be a rivalry between the wife and the husband. And the wife is going to resent the husband's leadership and he is going to just lord it over her, which makes her resent it more, which makes him lord it over her more. And men and women are going to fight for supremacy. That's a part of the result of sin. And Jesus comes and said, hey, I'm, I've set you free from that bondage. I've made you equal sons and daughters. And where there, where there is equality, then it's just you, you play your role, your role, I play my role. God's, God's given leadership of the home to the, to the man. It doesn't mean that he's better than or stronger than or anything else like that. It's just someone has to lead. It's going to be the husband as God's design. Just like within the Trinity, uh, Father, Son, and Spirit all equal. But the Father leads. The Son submits. 
The Spirit submits to both of them, and he doesn't get mad about it. Why? Because there's equality, and there's unity, and there's togetherness, and there's love that's there. When that's present, submission is not a threat. Submission is just, cool, you, do your, you play your role, I play my role. We'll be helpmates to each other. It's going to be beautiful. Now, that's, that, that is what we are working toward. That is what the refinement of our marriages are working toward. But if there is a like headbutting over who's the boss, then that's going to be a weak point in the wall. It could be social. Uh, like you got to go and do stuff together. You got to go do stuff with other people. Sometimes she needs to go off with all her girlfriends. And sometimes he needs to go off with the guy. Like those things need to be, be happening. Otherwise, there is a possible weak point of resentment toward one another. This isolation that can build up in the walls. It could be financial. Weak points in the wall. Finance is a big one a lot of times. You got you to gotta communicate about money. You got to pray about money. You got to get organized about money. You got to tithe. Hello? Like those are things that have to happen. Otherwise, these weak points develop. Could, could even be family. Could be weak points in regard to parenting. Could be weak points in regard to chores around the house and who's going to do what and who does more than the other one and all that kind of stuff. Could be, could be weak points in regard to in-laws. Hello? See, all, the, all these things, I'm just, I'm just saying, we have all watched relationships struggle in these kinds of areas and it develops, it's something small and it's underestimated and then it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and then you've got a problem because the enemy is bringing a battering ram right at it, right at it. Next thing you know, he's in. Now, most of this, you can handle it with your own resources, truthfully. Like, I haven't really listed too much that, um, that can't be dealt with with you, you and the Lord, y'all and the Lord, uh, within your community, within the church community, then your close friends and family. There's a lot of this stuff that really comes down to being honest, being humble, uh, inviting people in, let them walk with you, like all those kinds of like normal kinds of things. But there are times and uh, there are, yeah, there's a lot of times when it is beyond the scope of what your close friends and family can handle. You can't be too prideful to refuse to go to counseling to go like, ask a, a professional who sits down with people all the time and walks them through this kind of stuff and say, hey, I, we need your help. You, you can't be beyond that, whether it's just you or the two of you. Uh, don't, don't be that person who just digs their heels in and refuses. Uh, meanwhile, the walls around your marriage are crumbling and falling, and then you just get mad that no one did anything. So whether it's your own, it's like the resources that you can put your hands on quickly, or if it involves going to counseling, let, let us help you. Like, don't just pull up Google and type in counselors and batteries and go to the first one you see. Like, we want to send you to vetted, really great people uh, who can walk you through things. There's, we, trust me, there's some great ones in town. There's some wackos in town, so we want to help you avoid them. But I don't speak to any of this today out of fear. I'm not fearful. Uh, this is not a reactive kind of thing. I just, I, I know the enemy. You know the enemy. I know, I know the flesh. You know the flesh. I know the world. You know the world. Like, it's, it's worth it to be vigilant 
to guard your heart against all of those attacks through the gates, through the weak spots in the wall. And if you are married, you, as I've been talking, your mind probably went to certain things. And maybe not. Maybe you're like, nope, we are a solid fortress. Ain't nobody getting in here. And that's great. I don't want to assume every marriage is on the verge of breakdown. I know that there are some of you who are like, we're in a really good spot. And by the grace of God, just give him glory for that. But if you, if your mind has been going to certain things, then it becomes a stewardship issue for you. To, t- to talk to one another and to come before the Lord and say, Lord, we need, we need help guarding the, our gates in these ways, shoring up weak points in the wall in these ways. Will you, will you lead us? Will you search us? Will you try us? Will you test us? Will you lead us? And he'll do it because you're, you're representing him on the earth. He wants your marriage to flourish even more than you do. And so I hope this whole series has been helpful. But it really always comes down to this one thing. You, just, you look at the goodness of God. You look at the beauty of Jesus and the fact that he says, come, come be a part of my life to the point where I will trust you to reenact it together. It's incredible. Incredible. Let me pray for us. How about you stand up? Let me pray as we enter into a few moments of response. God, I am thankful for um, for everyone in this room. Uh, for those who are married, for those who are not married. Um, I'm thankful that our identity is not wrapped up in that label. We're just simply your sons and your daughters. And God, for those who you have led into the covenant of marriage, God, just just acknowledge the fact that they are under a unique kind of attack. They're hated by their enemy in a unique way. They're pressured by the world in a unique way. Their flesh is made to crawl and work against them in really unique ways. And I'm thankful, God, that you are there guarding them and protecting them. And so I ask, God, that you would show them how to join you in that guardianship. That they would not be passive participants in uh, loving each other as you love the church, but they would be active that there would be vigilance, not out of fear, but out of love for each other and out of deep belief in, in what they're doing together as husband and wife on the earth. And so whatever that looks like for each couple, I pray, Father, that you just lead them beautifully. They don't have to know the next 25 steps, just the next one. And may this lead to conversations and times of prayer and humility. But God, in these moments, we just look to you as the original. To love each other as Christ loves the church only makes sense if we understand how you love us. And so may that always be the starting point. We love you and we thank you. Pray this in your name. Amen. So we have a few different ways that... Uh, at the end of the sermon, you know, everyone responds a little bit differently. And so 
There's a few different movements that will be happening around the room, and it's really up to you and kind of what you feel drawn to right now. Um, These steps, there's nothing magical about these steps, but they are available if you want to come and pray. Uh, If husbands and wives want to come or groups of friends, or you may want to come pray about something that's totally unrelated to what I've been talking about. This is your time with the Lord. You can come and pray. Uh, A couple of our ministers will be on the front row. We'd love to pray with you if that would be helpful. Um, especially if you want to talk about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. We love that. Uh, we have two communion stations that are open. This is uh, a line that you are welcomed in because we don't own the communion table. Jesus is the one offering us his body and blood. And so if you want what he is offering to you, you're welcome in our line, whether you're a member here or not. Uh, you take the bread, you dip it in the juice, and uh, may that be a tangible way that you can worship Uh, We'll sing a little bit. Uh, We have some giving stations on the corner if uh, financial giving is a way that you feel led to respond in tithing. But we just like to give everyone a chance to kind of respond in their own way. And so our communion tables are open and you just respond as you feel led. And uh, as we sing together and just kind of uh, let the Lord put some closure on our time together this morning.